Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. From Wish TV, this is All Indiana Politics Podcast with Phil Sanchez, unfiltered. And thank you for listening. Curtis Hill, our guest this week. Curtis, good to see you. The former attorney general now running for governor. Uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Phil. Good to see you as well. Absolutely. Um, why do you want back into politics, sir? Well, I wouldn't say I want back into politics. Politics is such a dirty business. I want back into service. Uh, I had a, uh, a career uh, as a prosecutor for a number of years. Uh, again, I didn't see that as political, even though it was a, an office that you seek politically. Uh, but it's really an opportunity to serve uh, the community. Uh, we make decisions as prosecutors on a daily basis that are life and death. Uh, we have to make them quickly. We have to make them based on the evidence. And it's absolutely fundamental training for lots of other opportunities in service. Uh, and as Attorney General, we were able to capitalize on that training uh, to uh, really do a, a great deal in defending freedom uh, for the folks in Indiana. And I think that we're in a time now where uh, objective truth is under attack. Um, there's, certain, uh, there's, there's certain things that we have to do to be able to protect communities and families. And we have to speak the truth about those things. So I think that uh, I'm the type of candidate that would be of service for the state of Indiana in these times. What makes you different from the other candidates? Well, I think there's a variety of things. One of the things is my ability to get things done and my reputation for accomplishing things that I set out to do. Uh, we've got a full field of candidates, as you know. And uh, there's, a, there's a few fellows who've never been elected to office. And uh, without knocking them, there's something about having served in elected office um, that uh, provides you with an experience level. You, uh, there's a level of scrutiny uh, that your decisions uh, make, and you need to have that experience when you're, when you're seeking a top position like this. Um, there are others who have been in elected office, um, but I think it's a matter of identifying what a person has done in elective service before to have a determination of what they'll do going forward. It's very easy for someone to come in and say, um, I'm going to do X, Y, Z, but when you look at their elected past, have they done X, Y, Z? Well, in my case, uh, when I talk about my X, Y, Z, uh, I can point to circumstances of what I've gotten it done. Okay, so let's hear about it. You, your, your time in the Attorney General's office, and obviously it was, it was marred by controversy there at the end. So I want to know what, in your opinion, you did well as the Attorney General, and how do you overcome those controversies there at the end? Well, we did a great deal well. Uh, the, uh, the primary thing that we did was we stood up for Hoosiers. And uh, we stood up for, for individuals as well. Um, I believe in a culture of life. And when you talk about a culture of life, you need to be able to reflect uh, uh, how you made a difference. And one of the things that we did, uh, we, heard, we all heard the news about 2,411 aborted babies, Indiana babies, that were found abandoned in, a, in an Illinois garage. Uh, when I heard that news, uh, it meant something different to me because I knew that it was the home of a notorious abortionist that we stopped here in Indiana. And I knew he didn't have an Illinois license, so we suspected that those 2,000 babies were Indiana babies. Um, without any uh, direct responsibility to take action, uh, we stood up and went into Illinois, uh, took over the investigation, and brought those babies back home, had them buried here in Indiana in order to establish their humanity and death that was denied them in life. Um, 
that's an example of taking action and not just standing on the sidelines. And that's one of the things as Attorney General I did on a regular basis. How do you overcome the controversies there at the end of the, your term in, in that office? Well, I think uh, uh, when you're a popular conservative, uh, you're a target. And from day one, I was targeted as uh, uh, I had more votes than anyone in the history of the state, uh, 80,000 more votes than Donald Trump at that particular cycle. And so uh, I was a threat to some folks. Um, I think it's pretty apparent. Um, we had uh, uh, we faced some accusations. Uh, we faced them down. We had investigations that, that took place. A special prosecutor cleared me. And yet there was an onslaught of media and, and party officials that continue to go on and on. Um, we have gone past that. Uh, uh, we've survived it. We've demonstrated that uh, uh, it, it was a political attack. And when I'm traveling around the state, I hear from so many people who say, uh, we understand what that was all about. Uh, you're our guy. We, we like what you did as attorney general. We'll love what you will do as governor. Do you feel like you're getting the support from the Republican Party right now, considering that you're running for governor? Well, it depends on how you define the Republican Party. There are certain aspects of leadership in the Republican Party uh, that are still afraid of Curtis Hill because Curtis Hill can't be managed, if you will. Mm. But that's not who I see the party. The party are the people. The party are the, the people out in the communities and the neighborhoods. Um, and we're getting a great deal of support and enthusiasm because people know me. They know what they're getting from me. They know that I'll stand up. They know me from uh, 2020 uh, during the pandemic, four months after the pandemic started. Uh, Governor Holcomb issued a uh, press release that he was going to have a mask mandate in the state of Indiana. And that same evening, we issued an attorney general opinion that I authored uh, that said, no, uh, that's unconstitutional. And they pulled back from that. Now, they were going to put a, a class B misdemeanor on individuals who didn't wear a mask. We stopped it. Um, I don't see any other elected officials at that time that were standing up for the freedom of the individuals in the, in the state of Indiana. You've come out publicly and said that if things do get bad, again, COVID-wise, if you if you are the governor, you would not go in that direction. You wanna... we, we would not go in that direction. Um, everybody panicked uh, in 2020, and that was and that was frightening. You know, w and if you look back at March 2020, we went from uh, this is a problem that we can deal with to all of a sudden we went into a shutdown, and the shutdown continued on and on and on. And we had, uh, and I think history will show that we had more. Uh, distress from the shutdown and the response to COVID than what COVID did to us uh, on its own. Yeah. Um, and that was from a lack of leadership of just following what different states were doing. And Indiana fell into that soup. We had 23, 24 months of emergency orders that, that just weren't necessary. And it, and it really shattered who we were. We found out some good things uh, in that process. One of the things we found out was that our kids weren't being educated the way that we thought they would be. Uh, we learned a lot about what government was doing and not doing. We learned about lies. So we learned a great deal through the pandemic process. But one of the things that we learned about was that our government wasn't doing the job of listening to the people and moving forward. It's not that I don't think that people should wear masks. People have a choice to wear a mask or not. Uh, we are not at a point in this country where the Constitution should be suspended uh, because we have a pandemic. Freedom is, is what it's all about, and we need to stand for freedom. In regards to the current uh, governor, Governor Eric Holcomb, uh, what, what type of job do you think he's done, and how would you govern differently? I think that uh, there are certain things that he's done well. There's a lot of things I don't think he's done so well. Um, I think that uh, we need to have leadership in our state that is a, a national force. I think if you look at uh, what's going on in Washington, which is a mess, it's a bigger mess than it's been uh, even usually, um, it's imperative that we have state leadership across the country that picks up the mantle. Uh, by, by way of example, uh, 
uh, border security is a mess. The federal government has completely dropped the ball, and states typically don't have a responsibility for border security, but here's the deal. If states don't get involved with, the, with solving this problem, the problem's not going to get solved in Washington, D.C. So as a, as a state that's not necessarily a border state, uh, Indiana has to look at its responsibility to assist on the border. Uh, there are some states that have taken to uh, deploying their National Guard to help out. Well, guess what? As your Indiana governor, I won't have any hesitation to issue the, the order to the, to the uh, Indiana National Guard to get down to a border state that's cooperating and help out with that situation. We need to step up our game plan on dealing with issues that are of national importance, and it's imperative that we have leadership within the state um, that has a national profile. As attorney general, I had a national profile. As governor, I expect to as well. S since you mentioned it, uh, federal government-wise, um you know, obviously everything that's going on in Israel and Hamas and uh, Ukraine. How do you think the uh, current administration has handled that? Uh, the Biden administration? Yes. Uh, horribly. Mm -hmm. um, I think the uh, the lack of confidence in what's going on with uh, Russia and Ukraine um, is, is driving a, a continuous path uh, in our country of dissatisfaction with leadership. Um, with, uh, with Israel, that, that remains to be seen. Um, uh, we have a tendency in this administration, the Biden administration, to send mixed signals, if, if any good signals at all. Uh, he just got back from a trip. Um, it, it seems like he's providing um, strength and encouragement to Israel, but he's always making sure that he's having another comment that, that reflects uh, a more balanced approach. And I don't think after what Israel faced uh, several days ago with a vicious attack, uh, this is the time for balance. I think that Israel uh, ha is well within their right uh, to seek out these terrorists. And, and here's the thing, when you're talking about terrorism, this, this isn't a battle where guys are wearing different colored uniforms and different type helmets so you can clearly see who they are and shoot and be, everything's good. Mm -hmm. uh, terrorists hide within communities and within neighborhoods. And so you, you can't have surgical strikes or proportionate responses. Uh, when you have an attack of the nature that Israel just faced, uh, you have to go all out and end Hamas and however it takes. And it's gonna be ugly. Uh, it's going to be frightening. It doesn't mean that you lose your moral high ground and your moral sense. And I'm hopeful that Israel will continue on the path that they're on uh, in, in terms of, of the moral high ground. But they have a responsibility to keep themselves safe and to eliminate their enemy. One more question when it comes to national politics, and I promise we'll get back to a little bit more local here. Uh, who would you support as the, the Republican candidate for president? Uh, Trump's my guy. Um, I, had, I worked with Trump, uh, President Trump. Uh, on several instances. Um, I found him to be effective. Um, when I first voted for Trump, I have to admit that I voted for him because he wasn't Hillary Clinton. Mm. Uh, and, I, and I think I'm not alone in that regard. But I think he did an excellent job as president uh, by virtue of how our economy was doing, uh, how, how we felt uh, as a nation. I think since uh, we've had a change, there's been a dramatic change in uh, how we feel about uh, America and our leadership. Um, so uh, I think he's, uh, he's become really the, the face of injustice. It's, it's sort of interesting uh, with the attacks and the, the Manhattan DA and the Georgia DA, um, this, this uh, uh, sort of a, a, a justice system, the, the Soros prosecutors. And, and as a former prosecutor, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly uh, not happy that we see prosecutors using politics the way they're, they're doing it, but it has somehow uh, transitioned Trump from uh, just a candidate running for office to a symbolism of, uh, of justice. Back to your 
potential run for the governorship. I have a list of some of the issues from your website here. So let's let's go through a couple, if you don't mind. You say putting Indiana first is, and you have that on top. So what do you mean by that? Well, Indiana Hoosiers are uh, uh, worth the, the the heart of the nation physically, and we should be the heart of the nation spiritually. Uh, we need to make sure that, that, that we give guidance and instruction and, and, and to the country on how we should operate. And so what that means is we ought to, we ought to make sure that, that our communities, our safe communities, our education system is top notch, uh, that we're doing things the right way so that we can be a leader for the country. Uh, restoring justice, another topic that you hit on on your website. What do you mean by that? Well, justice is under attack. Uh, there's a lot of folks who feel that the, the justice system has been weaponized. Um, we've seen that nationally, and we've seen some signs of that here, here in, in, uh, in the state. We need to make sure that the establishment of justice is solid, that there is no corruption, uh, though, and that if there is corruption, uh, that it's uh, dealt with decisively. I want to talk about, you know, you being a, you mentioned it before, being a black conservative. That that obviously is, is, is pretty rare, um, uh, although we are seeing more black conservatives lately, especially on the national um, uh, spot, on the national spotlight, rather. rather. Um, and you go into that here on, on your list here, um, and you talk about your, your time uh, growing up and, and how it's it changed your mindset. So if you can, uh, expand upon that and also talk about how you, as the governor, would um, impact the education system when it comes to racial inequalities in our country and in our state? Well, you know, uh, it, 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 being a black conservative is a unique perspective, uh, especially when you combine with that uh, my law enforcement or prosecutor background. Uh, it, it provides a very unique perspective that uh, uh, I think we've benefited from going forward. Um, I grew up in the state of Indiana. I grew up in northern uh, Indiana in Elkhart. And uh, I'm, I'm one of the few people that, you can, that you'll meet that can say, well, my house was bombed when I was a little boy. Mm. Uh, that, was a, that was something that our family faced because my father was the first uh, to move his family into an all-white neighborhood. And we weren't welcome. And so uh, there, was, uh, there was racial epithets, there were, there were leaflets, there were uh, graffiti on the garage. And yes, someone threw a bomb on our house and, and uh, we learned from that. The, the primary thing that we learned was my father's courage. Uh, my father went out and bought a shotgun in response, uh, so he didn't turn run and run. And the, the other thing that he didn't do, he was never down on America. Um, America is the greatest nation on earth, notwithstanding that there are problems that we face, notwithstanding that we lived in a neighborhood where people openly and notoriously did not want us. But yet we believed in America. We believed in our right to be Americans and our right to achieve. And so that's a part of my, my makeup, if you will, mm. of, of, of what has, uh, has driven me to, to be where I'm at. And it's why we don't back down. It's why we stand up. Um, so that being said, it's imperative that, that we bring this nation together. Um, it, it's, it's one of the biggest problems that we have moving forward is the weaponization of race. Race has been used as a, a weapon, uh, primarily by the left, uh, for decades and, 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 and longer, actually. And what happens is um, we tie issues to race, we get people to, to we, we, we accuse people of being racist, or we make people think that they're going to be racist if they question something, or if they say something, and so people remain silent. And the, the racial divide in this country continues to grow. We need to be able to speak frankly and openly about these issues and um, 
do away with this issue of racism and, and race issues once and for all. And we do that by engaging in these communities, engaging in these conversations, being bold and courageous about how we uh, uh, apply that. Uh, from my perspective, I see the black community as being very conservative. And yet, as a group of conservatives, they have a tendency to vote against their conservative values on a regular basis. Uh, well, that's our fault as conservatives, not presenting our information in a manner in which uh, uh, the black community can see it. And so we need to, we need to expand our demographic. Uh, I think that's important for the communities, and I think it's important for the Republican Party. When you say um, there, that the black community is more conservative, do you, do you mean from a faith perspective as well? Uh, uh, from, a, from a faith perspective, from a family perspective, uh, from uh, uh, the strength in having fathers in the home, um, that is a, that's an absolute uh, 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 bellwether for the, for the black community. There is that strength. There is that conservative viewpoint. Um, and it's interesting that there has been a narrative that suggests that the, uh, that the conservative movement or the conservative party uh, it should not be the party for the black community. It's absolutely uh, incorrect. But we can't just go into the black community with a lot of data. We need to go into the black community and uh, make sure that, that we demonstrate that, that we empathize, that we, that we can be trusted, that we, that, that we want a uh, uh, communion with them. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the way to get this done. Where do you stand on, on teaching race and race issues within, within the school system? Well, I think it's, it's, it's imperative that we teach the truth, regardless of where the truth is. Um, I know that um, uh, I oppose these critical race theory uh, concepts, but primarily because of the issue of victimization and oppression and, and the makeup of what they want kids to, uh, to be. Um, from the standpoint of, of teaching about race, I think we need to be completely honest about our, race, our, our past, Wherever, wherever it comes down. Having said that, it's ridiculous to try to rehash or, or reconstruct history, tearing down monuments, uh, uh, renaming streets and things of that nature. I don't support that whatsoever. Our history is our history, our past is our past, and we learn from what we, what we did in the past as we move forward. We need to embrace who we have been, and the ugly stuff is part of what we embrace to make sure that it never happens again. Uh, but we don't ignore it, we don't whitewash it, we don't overlook it. We need to be open and honest about what we've done, what we've been, and then move forward. We talked a little bit before we came on air, and you know, I said to you, are, are, you've been busy. Obviously, it's, it's, it's a busy time for you. Sure. So how has that been, uh, I guess, crisscrossing the state, trying to, to make this run? Well, it's busy, but it is fun. Uh, I can't say that sitting in the car for hours at a time is a great time, but we're able to get some things done in that regard. But uh, what's fascinating about traveling around the state is, is how similar the state is up and down. Um, many communities have the courthouse square and the retail stores around. The, the courthouses all look a little different, but there's, there's a common theme to it. And when it comes down to it, Indiana is a, a big, giant, small community. Mm. Uh, you've got Indianapolis that kind of sets itself a little differently, and you've got some bigger cities, but realistically, Indiana is a state that's made up of small communities, small neighborhoods, uh, families, and that's really what's refreshing about it. Um, uh, we're not Chicago. We're not New York. We don't need to try to be those areas. Uh, we do have issues where people will leave Indiana thinking it's uh, uh, old time or, or it's, it's, well, it's not exciting enough, but you know what happens? 
they always come back. Mm. People come back home to Indiana for a reason, and that's because it's a, it's a comfortable place to be. It's, it's, it's a safe place to be. That's what we're driving for. So we want to continue to make that feeling uh, 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 profound. We want Indiana to be the safest place to raise a family, the smartest place to, raise a, uh, to start a business. Um, and we can do that by paying attention to who we are and not losing ourselves trying to be someone that we're not. How would you attract more businesses to, to the state? Well, the thing that I would do to attract more business is to make sure that those businesses understand what it means to be a Hoosier. Mm. We don't need to change who we are. We don't, we don't want to attract businesses that will, that will modify uh, our strengths. Uh, we want to say to a business, this is what Indiana is about. Um, we want you to blend into where we are, and we're happy to have you. Um, we, need to, we need to be creative. Um, but we don't, need to, we don't need to sell our souls to bring businesses into the state. We want businesses that come here because they understand and recognize the value that being a Hoosier brings to them. I just have a few minutes left, so let me just ask you quickly. Um, Back the Blue is also something that you've, you've talked about, and I know that your time as Attorney General, you were also very outspoken about uh, being a big supporter of the police department as well, uh, of police departments, I should say, across the state. Uh, how would you do that in, in your administration? Well, one thing I can tell you that I wouldn't do, I wouldn't stand by, like the current administration, and watch the city of Indianapolis burn at the hands of looters and, and, and thugs. Um, I know the difference between constitutionally protected protest and criminal behavior. And it's imperative that we keep our community safe, that we allow our police officers to do their job. And in allowing them to do their job, we need to recognize that we give these men and women uh, a badge and a gun and the authority to come and get us when we're in trouble. And we don't need them looking over their shoulder to wonder if we're gonna have their backs. And we have seen uh, uh, different folks from time to time question um, the, the, the need for police, the funding of police, or even providing police with qualified immunity to protect them in, in the interest of their jobs. That's not going to be an issue from my standpoint. I was a prosecutor for 28 years working side by side with police, and not just side by side, out in front, leading investigations, uh, because I know how imperative it is to have a strong police force and presence to keep your community safe. Uh, that's an absolute job one uh, for government. It's job one for this governor. Um, one more question before I let you go, and I appreciate you coming on with us. Um, if you win the primary, you become the candidate, you win, you win next uh, in November, uh, you're in office in January of 2025, what's the first thing you do as the governor of Indiana? Pray. Hmm. Uh, pray for guidance. Uh, pray for wisdom. Uh, uh, pray to do the right thing. Um, and then from there, uh, take a look at the list of issues that, we, that we're addressing and bring Indiana into fold. Um, we want to make sure that, that, that we have an education system uh, that's second to none. We want to make sure that the environment for business is solid. But we want to make sure that families in Indiana um, understand and recognize that they have a partner, uh, a friend, that parents have a friend in the governor's office, that we're doing everything that we can to do what government's supposed to do, which is to protect our freedom. That's the, if you look at the Declaration of Independence, that's what it says. Uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and to secure those rights, governments are instituted among men, uh, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That's our focus. Curtis Hill, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Phil. I appreciate it. From Wish TV, this is All Indiana Politics Podcast with Phil Sanchez. Unfiltered, in-depth, non-partisan coverage, exclusive interviews with Indiana's political leaders. Subscribe to this podcast and listen weekly here on the All Indiana Podcast Network. And be sure to discover even more great podcasts at allindianapodcastnetwork.com.